0: And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today?
1: Well, Lloyd, today our show is a fantastic show. It's about patient privacy and data security. And that is a huge issue because we hear all the time about these huge data breaches that happen in hospitals and all sorts of medical facilities and doctor's offices. And we have two of my very favorite people today, one who we've had on the show so many times. He is a wonderful friend for many, many years, Dr. Larry Poneman. And let me, if you have not heard him before, which I hope you have, Um, Let me tell you a little bit, real little bit about his background. He is one of the most respected voices in privacy, data protection, and information ethics. In 19, not 19, in 2002, he founded the Poneman Institute, and you know I'm a fellow of the Poneman Institute now for several years, and that is now headquartered in northern Michigan and that is the preeminent research center dedicated to advancing privacy and data protection practices. Prior to founding the institute, Dr. Poneman was a senior partner at Price Waterhouse Coopers, where he led compliance risk management services for the worldwide firm, and he also has served on the Federal Trade Commission's Advisory Committee for Online Practices and currently serves as chairman of the Council of American Survey Research Organization's Government Policy Advisory Committee. Larry speaks all over the world, and he is just wonderful. You'll enjoy hearing him. If you do want to learn more about the Poneman Institute, which is fascinating, you can go to poneman.org. And our other friend, who I met through Larry, who is a wonderful guy, and he is a fabulous privacy expert himself, is Rick Cam, who is a certified information privacy professional. He is the president and co-founder of ID Experts, which is a leader in comprehensive data breach solutions. And ID Experts Data Breach Preparedness and Response Services has been endorsed by the American Hospital Association. Rick himself is a privacy expert and... He is the chair of the PH project which we're going to talk about in a few minutes the PHI project which is a research effort to measure financial risk and implications of data breach in healthcare and this is led by the American National Standards Institute and it is also is part of the Identity Theft Prevention and Identity Management Standards Panel of that institute, and they are also partnering with the Shared Assessments Program, lots of words here, (laughs) Shared Assessment Program, and the Internet Security Alliance. So lots of people working together for really good things to help deal with data breaches and and security breaches. So thanks for joining me, guys.
0: Thank Uh you, Mari. Yeah, thank you, Mari, and thank you for the kind words and the opportunity to talk
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, we're going to start with Rick and then we'll talk with Larry, but each of you can kind of jump in wherever you want to. So let's first talk, Rick, about the PHI project and tell my audience what PHI is.
0: Great. Thank you, Mari. So let me define what PHI is for your listeners perhaps that haven't uh, come across this acronym before. It stands for Protected Health Information and in layman terms, it's simply information that we all share with our doctors or health, uh, health professionals, whether they're health insurance companies or others that uh, help us in this environment uh, as it relates to the information we share with those individuals as patients. So uh, let me give you a little background on the project itself. Larry, actually Larry Poneman was one of our co-chairs. I happen to uh, have the honor of being the chair of the project so i can share how uh how it came up in the first place and and what we were trying to solve. Okay. And Larry jump in by the way anytime you want. So
1: you know, yeah. he, he lived
0: through a year of this with us, so um so what so if, if it, you know what is the genesis of this project is what i like to try to tackle first so every your listeners have an opportunity to to get a grounding on this. Uh when when we started this a year ago, uh there was there was some information uh, out there uh, Around, uh, around the media and other places that talked to what the impact of identity theft was, uh, perhaps uh, specifically financial identity theft uh, relative to uh, new accounts being set up on a person's behalf or you know, someone using someone's identity to uh, obtain financial services or, or loans or other things. But there was very little information about what the impact uh, was if your medical information was lost, stolen, or compromised in the form of a medical identity theft. And so, as Larry Poneman and others, uh, other experts around the country looked at this, we said, you know, uh, unless we can help identify what the impact is to the individual, uh, individuals who are affected by this, uh, as well as to the enterprises who, who unfortunately may have uh, had this information lost or stolen from them, uh, the problem uh, won't get any better. So we set out to uh, launch an initiative with the organizations you mentioned earlier uh, really pulling together about a hundred uh, experts from various organizations, about seventy of them, uh, to look at this problem and try to understand what the financial impact is of the disclosure of or
2: unauthorized disclosure of protected health information.
1: And so, Mary, did you
0: want to add anything to that?
2: Well, it's a it's a great project, and there are really lots of good folks and experts involved in you know various chapters of the final report. And I basically think it's a really, really good, important piece of research. You know, we need to have research that attempts to empirically validate what we believe to be true. You know, sometimes we're right, and then sometimes we're surprised. And I think there are both, you know, yes, confirmation and also some surprises uh, in the results of the project, but a really well-managed project. So hats off to you, Rick, and it's been a pleasure to participate
1: and this was your second annual study wasn't it on this patient privacy and data security you had done one before right
2: yeah this this particular the research project now is and this is a separate piece of research um is a benchmark study and we love benchmark studies and this is the second annual study um we, the first study was conducted i believe in no, november it, or the the report was issued i should say in november 2010 and The publication date of this research, our latest and greatest research, is December 2011. And, you know, we're hoping to see a 2012 and 13 and 14 and, you know, to positive infinity because this is an important topic. Maybe not to positive infinity, but certainly over the next several years.
1: Right. So, you know, we've heard... I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: Yeah, uh, for for
0: clarification, the uh, PHA project, the report was actually released on March the 5th, uh, 2012. Uh, that uh, was the culmination of the work of the various organizations I mentioned. So Larry Poneman and I have had the opportunity to work on several different things, so you'll get the benefit, hopefully, uh, and your listeners, of of lots of different things uh, this this afternoon.
1: Okay, so the group formed not just to do this study. What did they form for?
0: Well, you know, know, the the genesis of it really started when uh, the American National Standards Institute and the Internet Security Alliance produced... A couple of pieces of a couple other white papers uh, about three years ago, and it started with the idea that uh, if you uh, if you look at the uh, people who are discussing uh, allocating resources to protect their their corporations, their enterprises, it's essentially the executive suite, the CEO, CFO, and so forth. And uh, the realization occurred that uh, these people don't necessarily speak the same language. A CFO talks in the form of dollars. The CEO might uh, think about competitive advantage. The CIO, for example, might talk about uh, more technical aspects of, of data management or data you know, information technology and so forth. And so uh, the first permutations of these various efforts started with producing uh, a report, a white paper that was uh, uh, endorsed or uh, initiated by the uh, Department of Homeland Security, to really tried to, to find a way to uh, develop questions that these the CFOs could ask their cohorts their, their executive team yeah. to get a better un- to get a better understanding of cyber risk and so from that particular effort uh, we uh, ANSI and the Internet Security Alliance produced two documents. Uh, one is the 50 questions the CFO should ask and then right after we published that uh, uh, people wanted to know what the answers to those 50 questions were. <laughs> so,
1: right, right. Imagine.
0: Yeah, so we had to produce another document that r- related to uh, uh, various fr- frameworks for information security and risk mitigation around cyber risk. Uh, both of these were published over the last couple of years. Uh, but, Mari, one of the things we realized was that uh, the, uh, the security requirements of various sectors were very different. So, you know, financial services was different than healthcare, which was different than uh, energy and so forth. And so uh, we set out to try to understand the healthcare uh, sector specifically to, to understand what issues uh, they had more specific to the laws and regulations they're facing, as well as the important job of protecting all of our patient information.
1: Yeah, and uh, the, and that leads one of the questions that you answered was that with your group, or or was the study to actually figure out a value? of protected health information. You know, I mean, if, right. if, if the CEO knows that and the CFO knows that that has value, they may look at it differently than if they don't think it has value, right?
0: Exactly. You know, uh, one of the, the uh, things we came across kind of as an aha moment uh, was that uh, to the large, unfortunately, some organizations weren't doing a great job at investing in protecting our patient or sensitive patient information. And and to your point earlier, one of the reasons we found was because they didn't understand necessarily uh, the value of this information to their organization, uh, as well as to, unfortunately, criminals who may use it to commit medical identity theft or medical fraud. Right. And so uh, it became apparent that we had to come up with an approach to communicate or to estimate this value, uh, the value of your protected health information, and... Uh, communicate it to the executive teams in a fashion so they could um, make investment decisions to do a better job at protecting it.
1: That's terrific. Now, when they, if they know, uh, you know how they're protecting, and if they're protecting it, hopefully that will reduce the breaches. But do they understand the repercussions of the breach of that protected health information? Is that what you worked on too?
0: Yes. You know, actually, the, it, uh, there, is quite, there has been quite a bit of work. Larry Poneman, in particular, has done quite a bit of work in this area. Right. In terms of the cost and uh, the, uh,
1: the... The brand.
0: for you know, ...losing patients and other things. Right. Uh, what was missing, though, uh, from the, uh, well, I guess you could say the environment, uh, these people being the, those that are entrusted with protecting this information, are in is a, literally a tool, a guide or an approach to help them uh, assess the value easily and make it unique uh, specific to their organization and the types of information uh, that they 're working with that might include you know different types of personal information based on what part of the healthcare ecosystem they 're in mhm
1: mm-hmm. so they they now have a better understanding of some of the repercussions of what happens if they do lose it because you know the, I, from what I saw at least in this study is Many of these hospitals and healthcare organizations believe that they do really do have insufficient security.
0: Yes, and, and you know, maybe the way to describe it is: I think you know, a lot of these organizations, the the people in particular that are in charge of protecting it, uh, protecting uh, PHI, uh, believe they have uh, appropriate policies and procedures in place. Whoever, uh, Marius, you know, this the regulatory and legal environment for healthcare uh, security and privacy is. Changing rapidly,
1: right, right, and
0: uh, unfortunately, the liabilities are also increasing rapidly because of class action litigation opportunities and other things. So, what we're trying to com- communicate with this particular report, especially for those that are entrusted uh, with protecting PHI, is how to build a better business case uh, to uh, communicate to their executive team uh, the implications of uh, basically having a data breach in the uh, of this type of information. And then specifically to give them a value, uh, at risk value, if you will, of the information when it's lost, it includes not only, you know, cost of uh, notification and and, uh, things that uh, unfortunately these organizations typically think of as parts of the cost, but really the the holistic cost of the information that impacts the uh, enterprise, including, as Larry had mentioned earlier, uh, you know, the uh, reputational damage that might occur, the... uh,
1: the trust you know, the value, value. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Also, trust of the patients and so forth. There's a whole host of things these organizations don't understand uh, are part of the uh, overall cost
2: and need to be taken into consideration.
1: So, Larry, let's let's talk about why these data breaches are so high in healthcare.
2: Well, you know, I'm not sure they're higher than in any other industry. It's just that the the information that's at risk is just so important, right? I mean, if, if you think about a privacy snafu and it concerns, you know, a a customer account or even credit card information, that's bad. That's that's bad news. That's not a good event. But when it's your health record, it is a really, really bad event. Health information is, I think, for most people that I know and that you know would basically say that information needs to be protected at a higher level because the risk to them or to their families could actually be just so much worse if it gets out and it gets into the wrong hands. Um, so, we know that is, is a reality, and that we we've, but we also know that ha- hospitals and healthcare providers, generally speaking, may not have the resources or the wherewithal to provide an adequate level of data protection, and I think that if you look at the adoption rate of enabling technologies for security, and you look at any one industry that was kind of a slow mover historically, you look at healthcare and healthcare providers more specifically. Um, I also think that in the healthcare environment, and Rick, you could tell me whether this is your perception as well, that a lot of the providers, the, the the mission number one is to serve the patient. It's basically making sure that the patient is treated properly and is healthy, and you know, good things happen as a result of good healthcare, right? So they're they're focused on that. They're not necessarily as focused on some of the operational or technical issues. They just assume it's getting done, and I think they're as surprised as anyone else when they discover. You know, lo and behold, that a whole bunch of their patient records are lost or stolen. So, I think it's a co- it's a combination of factors that creates a perfect storm for a privacy snafu in the domain of healthcare.
1: Yeah, and when I was reading your report here, I means in the key findings from last year's study in two thousand and ten to the changes in two thousand and eleven, there was a thirty two percent increase in in data breaches. Yeah. And and you said that ninety six percent of all the healthcare providers said that they had at least one data breach in the last two years. That's pretty scary.
2: Well, you know, it it, it's kind of an interesting stat, and I know that Rick has an opinion on this as I do because it's possible. You know, I know there's some negative findings here, and you know, we're the bearer of bad news, I suppose. But (laughs) this actually may be a finding that healthcare organizations by virtue of compliance requirements and just trying to do a better job, they're more aware of a data breach. In other words, what the number we had last year is not an indication that things have gotten worse, but that basically the organizations are better at the detection of the data breach, and that's why the percentages increase so great it's at such a great rate. Um, and then the, the second possibility is things are, in fact, getting a lot worse, but I think it's a combination of, the, of those two uh, you know two facts what what do you think Rick yeah I, th- I believe that's the case Larry I, I honestly
0: believe as you pointed out earlier earlier that uh, these organizations have as their their primary mission uh, to save lives and help patients and so they're uh, absolutely focused on that uh, and as they've discovered now that the data that they have uh, your your sensitive personal health information has has value in the uh, Criminal marketplace uh, and can be useful in committing, you know, all forms of medical and health healthcare care fraud. Uh, unfortunately, now they're they're seeing more uh, events and uh, incidents where this information is being lost, stolen, compromised or or is leaked out of their organizations.
1: And, you know, it seems to me now, I mean, we're talking about the information age and in electronic devices, and I saw one of the 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 findings in your study was that the widespread use of mobile devices is putting a lot of uh, patient data at risk. And you said 81% of healthcare organizations in the study reported that they use mobile devices and 49% of the participants admit that their organizations aren't doing anything to really protect these other devices. So if we're talking about iPads and smartphones and thumb drives and everything, you know, what about that? What do you think, Larry?
2: Well, Mario, that's a, a really important finding of the study. Think about it this way. If you think of an, an organization, you know, like a, a hospital or a clinic or even your doctor's office, you know, in the olden days, the doctor would show up with a, you know, with a clipboard or a folder and would be taking some notes and writing down little things, and you would be watching him, and, you know, and what, what's, what is he writing and what, what's, in that, what's in that file? Uh, that's my record. Um, you know, now that obviously what I just painted is completely obsolete and physicians and clinicians, generally speaking, are using a tablet computer or a smartphone. And not only are they, you know, putting information into the device, right? So, you know, personal information or PHI. Um, they also are, um, collecting that information and running diagnostic tests and doing all sorts of cool analyses on the spot based on the, the, the device right, so this is all good there there's actually almost no downside except a lot of these devices are not protected properly you know simple things like passwords or uh, or key locks things that you would do to secure the device aren't necessarily done in the healthcare space, partially because people are very busy and time is money, and physicians just may not have the time that extra ten seconds or a nanosecond to enter the password um and Part of it is culture. You know, I, I think physicians tend to say, look, I, this is just a tool. They don't understand that it has the potential to be, you know, a dangerous weapon if the information leaks out. The other issue that we discovered on mobile devices is that the device itself is a form of authentication. And if a bad guy gets one of these devices and it's unprotected, they can get into some big data systems. You know, the... Uh, Electronic health record databases that may be thousands or tens of thousands of records large, so the key variable is it 's more than just a place for storing information and doing diagnostics, but it becomes the tool that you use to gain access to a whole bunch of very very serious um, information assets
1: right I mean, I would think that um, that would just this study alone would probably encourage these these various healthcare agencies and various hospitals to to really take a a greater look at all these electronic devices. I mean, it's the same thing for the financial industry as well. We're just, you know, we have these wonderful devices, and they're just, we don't have the privacy built into many of these devices.
2: Or or the security. And, you know, this is a big problem. We know that uh, mobile apps, for example, new apps that we want to download on this really cool device, some of these apps are... You know, perfectly fine. They're very safe, but some contain malware and viruses and bots and all sorts of bad things. So we really need, as you know, as a society, we need to set standards on these things. And if you're in healthcare, you certainly don't want to use a device that is, in fact, grossly insecure and you know, replete with all sorts of you know bad stuff. So you know, mobile devices. It's the wave of the future. It's not going to go away, but no, hopefully, the better security will right. emerge.
1: I mean it just reminds me of that, you know, privacy by design and security by design yeah. and they like, you know, when you're when you're creating these wonderful devices, build in think about the worst thing that that can happen and, you know, do something about it ahead of time. But so what can healthcare organizations really do to better protect this you know, this uh wonderful all this wonderful stuff that they've got? I mean, they have these great diagnoses that they can do, they these wonderful systems but what can they do to protect the health care information?
2: Rick, you want to take that one? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Larry. You know,
0: I guess the good news, bad news is, uh, the good news is there's a lot of knowledge in the health IT realm on how to protect information. And in many cases, organizations do a great job at it, and in some cases, they have issues. But, you know, I guess what I would say is, First and foremost, uh, each of these organizations needs to uh, evaluate their risks on an annual basis, uh, essentially do a risk assessment,
1: right? and
0: then understand where those new vulnerabilities are cropping up, uh, as you mentioned, with the introduction of mobile devices and cloud computing and all kinds of wonderful new technologies. Unfortunately, the security and privacy side of the equation is not keeping pace, and uh, therefore exposing these data breaches and uh, and our PHI essentially to the uh, outside environment. So start with a risk assessment, start with identifying, you know, what's new, what's changed, and then then do the best job they can uh, to make appropriate investments in protecting that information, whether it's with uh, new technologies, uh, new solutions, if you will, uh, and or updates in, uh, you know, training for their personnel, on how to protect information, or quite simply, policies and procedures that need to be reflective of these new environments that are being created, where one can now access healthcare and the various
1: tools. It's it's probably overwhelming for for these healthcare. And I, when I think about these doctors' offices, that you know they also are really subject to these security breaches. Even a, a small doctor's office with maybe just a few doctors in it, right, Larry?
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, so we, we think of a well, a hospital is, you know, it's a big organization, and things can can easily get messed up. But you know, just go to your local do- your, your your physician's office, and you know, look behind the uh, reception desk there, and there's probably this, you know, a a big you know twenty shelves of paper <laughs> documents. Right. And so we we know that it's a problem, and probably it's a, even a bigger problem in to, to in some respects to a smaller sized healthcare organizations. It's like a physician's office, a dental a dental office, um, you know, a, 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 a chiropractor. It, it, it doesn't necessarily, it's not only a big organization problem.
1: Right. And, and they're all starting to go electronic also, you know, oh, they're sure. all, and they have computers. And so this issue of, you know, and they probably have stuff on their smartphones and iPads and, and are transmitting information all over the place. So We don't have a lot of time, but, Larry, what can we do? I mean, if it's overwhelming for these big organizations that have their own IT department, they have a CIO and the CPO and the CEO and the CFO and all these things, they've got everything. So what is the uh, one thing that you could tell us that should be done?
2: Well, Rick mentioned it before, but I just want to echo what he said on, on risk assessment. You know, a lot of organizations don't know where the risk is. You know, where is the data risk? And it's not even. So there will be some places where it's low, some places where it's you know yellow, moderate, and some places where it's a bright red. Focus on the red. Right. <laughs> and you only get there if you have a good risk assessment methodology. You know, A lot of organizations say they do a risk assessment, but when you really do a deeper dive, it's just CYA. It doesn't actually get the job done right. So if, you, if you're going to do anything, make sure you have a, a good quality risk assessment. And if you can't do it for yourself, Hire an expert to do it. Right. Bring in the expert.
1: And and I've got two experts on the phone with me. I've got Dr. Larry Poneman at poneman.org. And I have my other friend, Rick Cam, who also is an expert with IDExpertsCorp.com. So those are two good places to start. If we've scared you to death, if you're an organization, just <laughs> go to those two websites. Thank you both. You're just wonderful. And we'll have you back again.
2: Thank you, Mari. Thanks, Mari.
1: Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.
1: You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy and see our upcoming guests, download podcasts, and write us emails about what's important to you or what's concerning you about privacy in the information age. Thanks. Stay private.
2: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of
0: KECI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.